hosts, David Delo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is The Metalist. Hello, one and all. Thanks again for joining us. Whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, it's The Metalist once again with Dave and Jason. So thanks if you listened to our previous deep dive on Roadrunner Records. Now we're gonna get into our we're gonna get into our top five for Roadrunner Records. And so I want to lead off with one question: What's the most recent album, or what what's the year of the most recent album? How recent is your top five as far as what year something came in the, out? In the top five, yeah, or even even honorable mentions. Ooh. Not very new. Yeah, I think mine's 2002. Oh, nope, 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 nope. One's 2006. Never mind. But that's, I think that's about as recent as it gets, and there's a lot that's happened between now and then as far as Roadrunner stuff. I do have one that's really fucking new, actually, but it's not my top five, but it's just something I wanted to bring up. That's Code Orange Forever. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you want to just, start it just off that mention, way? With the, uh, just, just, just a mention. Like, yeah, I mean, Code Orange, like, fuck, they were up for a... I mean, not like Grammys fucking matter. But it would have been symbolic if they won. But the fact that they were even acknowledged, I guess, is pretty fucking amazing. Mm -hmm. I I almost wonder, though, how much of that has to do with the fact that they're on Roadrunner. Oh, yeah. They they put up money for the billboards for the Grammy nomination shit. But also, like, you know, they're a pretty self-sufficient band before Roadrunner, so it's not like Roadrunner's hooking them up or whatever. I mean, they were pretty self-sufficient before that, so... It's uh, part of that new wave of trying to get back to the roots of Roadrunner and like they're signing up newer hardcore bands. Code Orange being the one of the biggest, obviously the other being Turnstile, and then you got Angel Dust. So another cool. new Roadrunner release or new-ish, I guess, is probably the only other new one on there. So we're gonna basically go back in time again for mm-hmm. most of this list. But another newish one I th- I really fucking love, man, is fucking uh, Gojira. Magma. Okay, yeah. Fucking great album. Yeah. I had no idea that they were on Roadrunner Records mm-hmm. until I fucking saw them in the roster on Wikipedia. I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know. But, like, a lot of the new stuff, man, like I said, you could either guess, and chances are, if I'm going to guess, I'm going to say Nuclear Blast because they've got everybody, or, yeah. you know, I'm going to say it's some, you know, little thing like, you know, like fucking Candlelight or Sumerian and some of these other smaller was it e something yeah e1 just like these smaller labels that you know i don't really know a whole hell of a lot about so but but for the most part like a lot of the newer stuff it's just like i don't care like i mean it's like the ghost inside like i have no idea who fucking has them signed uh, uh so <laughs> so i mean that's that's kind of the thing this does kind of go back to a time when i really feel like the label you were on was a much bigger deal yeah for sure you know, so I guess like the newest thing, especially the newest thing on my list, you know, probably early 2000s, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, early, early 2000s. Right. Do you have anything you want to say about Roadrunner Records albums? Maybe how you... Okay, so let's let's start here. Like I did my list because this is like albums. Right. So even though I love some stuff off of, let's say, Obituary, Cause of Death, mm-hmm. like... Or and complete like I love those those but you know I just as a full album yeah there's just stuff that I think is you know and they're death metal I like death metal better than uh, you know fucking I'll say one right now one of my honorable mentions dude spine shank the height of callousness oh, okay. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a fucking awesome album dude it's yeah 
I think as soon as you start talking about the '90s and getting into the it's full catchy enough. Waves, yeah. You know? Is that the one that uh, was on MTV or was that the one before that? I guess I could. It's their up. second album. Mm-hmm. It's their bigger. Like I think it's the biggest album. They had the song in Three Thousand Miles of Graceland. I think they actually had a couple of songs in that oh, movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, okay, so the difference, right, between I, I like death metal and I'll take Obituary over Spine Shank any fucking day. But mm-hmm. as far as a whole album goes. I mean, I love Cause of Death. It's a classic fucking album. I love the Incomplete mm-hmm. classic album. I don't like it as much as Cause of Death. I'd probably put Cause of Death higher. But there are songs on there where I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, like it's, yeah. it's obituary. Like, yeah. where that Spine Shank album, like every song on there is fucking awesome. That's what I was saying. As soon as you hit a stride with the career that label had, then like you start getting more complete albums, you know? like Yeah, and this was at a time when fucking, you know, people wrote albums. Yeah. You know, like, so the one of the only. Not only, but one recent one to give, you know, our younger listeners an idea. Go listen to, I don't know, most anything nowadays. And then go listen to The Valley by Whitechapel. Yeah, That's yeah. a fucking album. Yep. Like, it's, they're all written and arranged and the songs are sequenced in a certain order to not necessarily tell a story. There's a narrative. There's a certain sure. reason and a point to it. You know, where a lot of a lot of bands don't do that nowadays because, you know, you don't really need to worry about it in the streaming era. Mm-hmm. And most of these these albums we're talking, well, at least I'm that are on my list. It's the entire album front to back. Also, another thing is, I mean, I do probably I mean, I think I have one. I mean, I'll mention a couple that were super important. I mean, obviously, you know, Slipknot self-titled album, super important. Chaos AD, super important. You know, even fucking Abigail by King Diamond. I don't mm-hmm. like King Diamond. Very important album for yep. Roadrunner Records and for music in general. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So there's there's definitely that, you know, and I guess I have a little bit less of that on here, I think. Okay. Because I don't have Slipknot self-titled on mine. And probably because that reason, which is weird because... um <laughs> this is gonna be weird, but and, yeah, I have another honorable mention, dude. Slipknot, Iowa. I got okay. I like that album better. That is an important ass album, dude. I think it's heavier. I think it is important in the sense that they had to follow up a massively successful fucking self-titled album. Mm-hmm. Um, now, did the was the label happy with it? Probably not. It probably didn't do as good as they there wanted was, it to. Yeah, there's stories about things like like there's uh, there's Iowa copies in landfills and stuff because of how uh, I mean you know. but to me like that was a great fucking follow up man I, Absolutely. I I think it's a fucking amazing album so many bands that have the great debut mm-hmm a lot of them do stumble on the second album to me. Like I don't no, usually like the, if I liked the debut a lot, a lot of times the second one, it's man, that's a fucking real fucking hit or miss kind of deal. Yeah. If you can nail that second one. Yeah. To me, that's a big deal because that's probably the first time you're actually writing an album for your job. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Usually the first album, they're just, Probably recording their set. Well, that's a trip with Slipknot, dude. There's several different versions of a bunch of those songs on the first album that you can oh, yeah. find with their old singer and then reworked with Corey. Fucking pain face, dude. Yeah. And then, like, 
I think one or two actually were redone for Iowa, but by by and large, Iowa was the product of them dealing with the success of that first album and then going so hard in the other direction of what they were expected to of like, okay, we're going to go in the more commercial, right? So they just go full born, you know, really emphasize that death metal influence. Like if you've seen... The, it's definitely more metal. Yeah. If you've seen you know? the videos of like when they were touring Iowa, they're death growling in a lot of those songs. It's dude. like, I mean, you have... I mean, I don't want to get too much into the songs, I guess. I mean, we can, but we'll, we'll keep it a little bit short with the songs, actually, mm-hmm. because, you know, we don't want this to bleed into, you know, say a Slipknot episode. Yeah. But, I mean, you have, like, you know, Disaster Peace and mm-hmm. People Equal Shit and fucking, you know, the Heretic Anthem and The Shape. Yeah. Like, those are fucking really heavy songs, oh, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they had the radio song, just like the first album. Yeah. And it's like they were very smart in doing that. But for the most part, it's like, what, one song? I mean, they had the kind of a sludgier kind of thing with, like, Gently and, and the mm-hmm. song Iowa. Yeah. It's just a really good fucking album. And you do have to deal with the success. I Case in point, I don't think Mudvayne pulled it off. No, unfortunately. You know, like, their second album is nowhere near a good follow-up compared to LD50. And yeah. to me... That's where they lost me. Had they been able to follow up LD50, which I don't know if you could have, that album was worked and reworked for eight to nine years. Exactly, yeah. Fuck it, be, it would be hard. I don't blame them at all. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, you know what, man? Like I, li- I like your debut. I don't like this one. Yeah. I won't listen to it. It's fine. I don't hate the band. Yeah. But speaking of another follow-up, dude, Devil Driver, Fury of Our Maker's Hand, mm-hmm. I didn't really like the first album. It was potential, but I didn't really like it. You know, They had the Swing in the Dead song. And yeah, yeah. They had the one that was like, like it was had this weird kind of like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a catchy march, like yeah. marchy kind of vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't really like a lot of the stuff on there. But Fury of Our Maker's Hand, like fuck, I've always thought like you know it sucks for Devil Driver because I kind of feel like they peaked on their second album and it happens sometimes. But I also thought like the the pacing on it, the guitar sound, the the production in general. It, it sounds a lot better. Yeah. It's a little more polished. What's some albums you would like to touch on? I, I'm, these aren't even really honorable mentions. These are just kind of stuff that I would like to say are like kind of notable albums, you know, that we just didn't mention. the whole history, dude? Yeah, that we didn't oh, mention man. in the deep dive. You know what I mean? Like, So I want to talk real quick about the one and done bands, like specifically the ones that had a lasting impact. You got We talked about Biohazard being signed. It was only for one record because then they got picked up by Warner. Yeah. But dude... Urban Discipline. Massive impact. Fucking hell, dude. Punishment is the most played video of all time on Headbangers Ball. So that's already saying something. It it, it kind of, you know, set the playing field for like, you know, what was to come. Punishment. Yeah. Even though it was a even though it was a hip hop, <laughs> metal, and hardcore like hybrid, it set the tone for what was gonna be happening in hardcore because Madball said when they wanted to differentiate themselves, you know, from being just agnostic front junior, that was the album they said they looked to was was uh Well yeah Madball was with them for Yeah, at least three albums. It was, was it, three uh, albums? it was set it off set it off uh demonstrating my style yeah. and then my favorite out of those was um Look my way, dude. Because demonstrating my style was one that I actually bought. So I had no idea who Madball was. Mm-hmm. I bought it solely because the Roadrunner logo. Yeah, yeah. And I was not disappointed. Yeah, at all. those are classics. And you want to know where, <laughs> where, where my first introduction to Madball and Agnostic Front was? Was Fear Factory's cover of uh, Agnostic Front? Your, your mistake. Your mistake. Yeah, featuring nice. Freddie on vocals, which Hell was yeah, a bonus dude. track to Demanufacture. Fucking great. Which will come up later. Uh, everything you ever wanted to know about Silence by Glassjaw, although very controversial now, dude. 
14 year old me ate that shit up dude and um obviously great cult band they only play one song off of it now if they ever do i never got into them much i mean i think time and place thing because in fact anytime you say glass jaw i always think of this band that i uh, i don't know i think i had like two albums of theirs called glass casket but they were like oh yeah yeah that's uh, what is glass jaw like so it's like alternative New York hardcore. If I had to, like, huh. they come from the New York hardcore like scene. Very quick Sandish. They nice. toured together last year, and I'm bummed I couldn't make it. Okay. Like their first album, which is like sort of a classic, but it's like the follow up is amazing, and they play that almost in its entirety. But like, dude, Ross Robinson trying to get away from the new metal tag, which you know, like, like he, oh my god, what have I done in the late '90s? You know, like that was the beginning of him working with different kinds of bands like them, and at the drive-in and eventually the Cure. They they tagged it as post-hardcore just because there was nothing else to tag it as at the time. You know what I mean? Like Thursday and all those bands hadn't broken yet, and so it's like this weird mismatch of things. And their biggest influence is actually Faith No More, especially on Daryl's vocals. Um, but uh, and and you know, talking about other stuff from that era. You know, the VOD records were fun for what they were. I don't even know that the Roadrunner stuff is my favorite VOD stuff. <laughs> but, like, there's little here's and there's. You know, I love Supremacy by uh, Hatebreed. That was their only record on there. There's just, like, little pockets of here's and there. But if you're talking about, like, you know, career bands, obviously. Oh, Cynic. Focus by Cynic. I got to say Focus by Cynic, too, because it's a classic in there, too, Fuck right? Fuck yeah. Um, <clears throat> that one's fucking great. Absolutely. But I want to talk about, you know, Sepultura's discography as a whole. We talked about Obituary. I think the one people go to most, especially around that time, is uh, World Demise. That is a complete album. Uh, what else? I'll say Orleo or uh, Deicide, right? You know, Do- or Dead by Dawn is a classic for a reason. Uh, the Dream Theater records that were on there I enjoyed. Exorder, Slaughter in the Vatican is kind of a, a template for you know what would be to come with groove metal and all that. I've never listened to that much. Um, another one I would say, how many Soulfly albums are on? That's a good question. I mean, they're a band I really love also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, And whatever they've done that was with Roadrunner, whatever they've done without. I mean, they're, it's, they're, they're another one that was like, a you know, records generally their albums are written as albums like and they're the vast majority of it not you know 51 percent, but the vast majority of those albums are really good in particular the very first soulfly album absolutely Fuck. yeah it's so fucking good yeah in fact i'll probably throw that honorable mention man yeah it was it was different than roots mm-hmm. but you could tell with roots that like something was happening yeah it you leaned know what even I mean? further into the uh tribal aspect yeah once once Soulfy's first album came out, at that point it was like, okay, now I get Roots. Yeah. Now I get it. For sure. Because now I see Roots as, you know, the first Soulfly album mm-hmm. where the For whole sure. world music thing, yeah. you know, because they had done a lot of that stuff as Sepultura and, you know, and then it really kind of hit. I guess it had the new metal vibe in the sense that there was no, you know, there wasn't a lot of guitar solos. Um, it did have, it was a little more groove oriented, even so, even more than Roots, even more than Chaos AD. There was something different about that because there was like this really kind of like a, almost like a hardcore punkish type vibe to a lot of those songs, mm-hmm. a different sound in Max's voice and whatnot. So that one in particular, 
I would say, you know, would definitely get an honorable mention from me. Yeah. Even though I mean I like all their albums. They're all fucking great. But no, absolutely. They were they were actually a, a band I was I've always been really surprised at but how much I really enjoy that band. You know, one of those bands is like you don't realize is a favorite, I guess. No, exactly. You know what I mean? Until like, you start thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, you start thinking. I was like, wow, you know, like I fucking really like this band. Yeah. You Another know who else, dude, Carnivore, for the two albums that they were on before they, you know, that right. that deal got transferred to Typo Negative. Right. Speaking of, yeah. uh, two more honorable mentions. Trivium Ascendancy was a great album. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 almost, and I don't listen to them that often, but. When I do, I, I usually listen to Ascendancy, man. I mean, yeah. there's like easily seven, probably easily eight to nine songs on there that I fucking love. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just really love that album. Mm-hmm. That new one's great, Oddly too. Oddly enough, I really like how he sings. Yeah. Like, his clean vocals on that album, more so than his screams. Yeah. Um, another one, it out. speaking of Carnivore, Typo Negative, October Rust. Amen. One of the prettiest albums I've ever fucking heard. Absolutely. Which sounds weird for a metal band. But it's very pretty. The production's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, so many fucking good songs on there. It's very um, provocative. Yes. Whatever you're kind of feeling, whatever mood you're in, it can kind of be that. Yeah. So some of these songs can be kind of sexy. Some of these songs can be kind of depressing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same exact songs. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't change the songs. It's just your mood changed, and the yeah. songs became something else. If so, you're in the mood for a good laugh, there's plenty of that, too. Yeah, you could be all lovey-dovey. You could be in a kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of mood. You could be kind of a sarcastic mood and listen to just the fucking intro of it, yep. skipping and shit. Like, yep, it's yep. fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It really just kind of depends on what mood you're in. You listen to that stuff, man. Like, and it, it's, it's so... It's almost cinematic. Yeah. Some of those songs, like the one... I don't I can't remember the name of it, but the, one of the lyrics like at JFK. Oh, like, uh, die with me. You know, it has like the birds in the yep, background yep, shit. Yep, like, yep. I mean, and the plane noises. Yeah, and the, the planes. It's the so airport intercom shit. It really does. You know, that album kind of can take you in some spots. It almost sounds more like a soundtrack than yeah, yeah. than an actual like a soundtrack to fucking fall. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna finish off my actual as far as honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Chimera, The Impossibility of Reason. Yes, dude. At one point, I actually said this is a perfect album. Yeah, yeah. From start to finish, every song is just fucking awesome. It's mm-hmm. not like a concept. They don't go to a certain place. It's just every song on, it's a fucking banger, dude. Yeah. Even the fucking instrumental at the end is a fucking mm-hmm. banger. Like, it's just so fucking good. And it was, and given the fact that that was coming off of a debut that I didn't particularly like, it's definitely fucking way more new metal. And then you listen to the impossibility of reason and they kind of let the metal fly a little bit, but that's yeah. kind of when the metal was coming back. Like, exactly. Yeah. It was, it was a know? very coinciding thing. So you know, the story behind that three album? albums, was uh, that first one on there? First album was on Roadrunner, Impossibility of Reason. So that's the story. First of all, shout out Bryce Eaton and Kevin Blackwell. That's their favorite band and probably their favorite album. So that was the thing was they submitted another group of songs to Roadrunner, and Roadrunner was like, nah, these aren't good enough. Go do them again. And they, they got so pissed that that's, like, that's how that came out is that's what they released. Oh, that probably explains what he's talking about at yeah. the start of the vi- the DVD of the, dehumanize- the dehumanization process. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's talking about, like, you know, everybody wants a label, everybody wants to get signed, then all of a sudden, you know, next thing you do, you know, it happens, and now it's your job. Yep. And and it's a totally different feeling, yep. you know? So, ah, that explains that. 
But yeah, I mean, I think their last one was that one they did with Kevin Talley, the, the self-titled. Yeah. That was the last one with Roadrunner. So they weren't there too terribly long. But that one out, like, fuck. It's funny you haven't said the one death metal band that I'm going to bring up yet. That was The that one that's it. on my list? Oh, is it? All right. <laughs> that's why I said yet. No, like, oh, Obituary too. Like, Absolutely, fuck, they yeah. had so much fucking good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Pestilence, dude. A, oh, yeah. a lot of people forget about that band. I even forget about them. They're even back. I mean, they've they've just had. I think they got like four new albums. They mm-hmm. had four old albums, and then there's like this big long break in between there. They were a really cool band because I was when I first heard of them, I heard of them as a thrash band, and and I listened to it. And I always I always kind of thought they were more along like more. They leaned a little bit more to like the death metal stuff, right? But they were fully death so i mean they were kind of like this cool like death metal slash thrash band it's kind of like early death metal in general right kind of yeah i mean yeah that's true it was very early it was the very early stuff and a lot of that stuff was like that technically you know like the early cannibal corpse stuff was like that so yeah it was really cool fucking stuff i haven't listened to a lot of the new stuff i would like to but those old albums i think it's four of them that were all on fucking roadrunner you know that was another one that was just fucking great man like Mm -hmm. I've seen that picture for the uh, the second album, Compuls- Consuming Impulse, dude getting eaten by ants on oh, yeah, so dude. many people's shirts. Over oh yeah, the years. that's a fucking like a legendary album cover. Yeah, you know, like that was that was one of those full page ads. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like that was definitely. I think that was the first time I heard of them was was on that full page ad. Another thing I would say too about Roadrunner Records albums being uh, you know, our top five albums or whatever from Roadrunner Records is the fact that like a lot of the bands, especially with my list, I mean, the majority of the bands stayed with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to just pick the fucking pivotal ones, but at the same time, some of you know a couple of them were. Yeah, it also seemed like. Especially fucking like the era that obviously is dominating my list. But they did almost like I almost kind of had this idea back then that like all these bands knew each other and they all were like bros. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know if that's true or not. Some of them have talked about it. Some of them have talked about it. Like, you know, we were all like a family and, and we were all part of a thing. We all knew we were part of something bigger, you know, which I the idea of that. Uh, is very appealing, not just to me, but to a lot of people. So I could see why, you know, if if you were a band and, and let's say you were a fucking really hot band and you had the choice to sign, because, I mean, I think some of these bands could have signed with anybody. Most definitely, You know, yeah. could have signed with maybe a bigger label, but I don't know if that would have worked much because the bigger labels are more about, it seems like they're more about numbers. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, fuck just drawn a blank. It was uh, Bloody Kisses. Oh, yeah. Took two years to go gold? Was Probably. it two? I think it was two. Probably. Let's, let's see. I think it's what that article said that I, that I mentioned in the previous episode. But oh, just gold, too. Yeah, because then eventually yeah, it, it went gold. platinum. But I think it took two years to go gold. Like, that's a label like nurturing a band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Having some patience. Yeah, that's not knowing, a thing that exists a lot nowadays. You know, knowing that... Well, it's just not something that existed back then either with the bigger labels. You know, back then with the bigger labels, especially your first, you know, what, one or two albums, yeah. maybe three. Yeah. You only had so much time to really fucking make a lot of noise, not just some noise, make a lot of noise. Usually the first album, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, 
a lot of those bands like let's see motley Crue was what electra records so that was a bigger label it was like okay the first album didn't do that great it was it was decent but not that great but they could see the writing on the wall and then shout of the devil comes out boom big yeah and then theater of pain comes out and it's huge mm-hmm at that point, you know, even Electra's got to be like, okay, dude, you guys can do whatever you want. We'll yeah. write you the blank check. You know what I mean? <clears throat> where, like, a, a label like Roadrunner, where it's independent, a label like, you know, the Metal Blades and Earaches of the World, like, they can kind of, all right, you know, like, let's let's make sure we're putting out good stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because like, I think about, like, the career bands that were on there. Who, who what, you know, you think about the longest story, like, who you got? You got... Machine Head, Sepultura, Fear Factory, Soulfly. Soulfly. Oop. Let's see. Who else? There's not a whole bunch of Slipknot. I do mean, we, they're still say on. Slipknot? Yeah, because like, it's mean, been 20 years. Yeah, I mean, they've been on there for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, you know, Stone Sour's been on there for a while. Yeah, close to. The you same. know, like they're pretty much all about it. Yeah, Kill Switch was on there until recently. Who are we forgetting? Did we say Typo? Typo was on there for a long time. And by extent, you know, from leftover from the Carnivore deal. Those are the big ones that, that are like the go-to definitive Roadrunner bands to me. Yeah, definitely. Because, like I said, I mean, they started out as a death metal label. But, I mean, a lot of those bands didn't stay for long. Mm-mm. You know, so that's, you know, that's just how it goes. So, yeah, those those ones that have been there a long time, like, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, and they're all on different labels now too. But you well, know. yeah, I think everybody was Slipknot, right? Yeah, everybody was Slipknot. Yeah, and Stone Sour. Did you have any other honorable or honorable mentions? No. Cool. No, not really. We'll do mine real quick. So speaking of bands with lengthy, you know, legacies and discographies on Roadrunner, I want to shout out all of Fear Factory's discography because I'm going to get into one specific one later. You know. Starting with Soul of a New Machine, which I feel gets slept on a lot. Napalm Death meets Godflesh, and they've, they've said that multiple times, right? So it's literally just kind of a combination between the two, but they even had a bit of an identity to them at first as well. But then you got Demanufacturer, which is like one of the definitive Roadrunner records and just like that, that whole era in general, right? Uh, and obviously Obsolete. And then even, you know, a lot of people shit on Digimortal, but Digimortal's got some fun stuff on there for what it is. And that's a classic era as far as I'm concerned. And then we talk a lot about Sepultura. My favorite Max record is Chaos AD. Front to back, dude. The variety of different kinds of songs on there. And um, and obviously the little thing with Jello Biafra showing up just to go, Godzilla, rawr, on, on Biotech is Godzilla is fantastic. Like front to back, that's my favorite Max record. And it's obviously a turning point or a point for the band, but it's gold for a reason, you know? A lot of people liked it. Uh, from there, gotta go first Slipknot album. My favorite three Slipknot songs are actually on volume three, but I don't like the entire album. Slipknot, dude. I remember seeing the ads. I remember seeing the creepy pictures with the masks saying these guys are going to play Ozfest 99, the record the summer, or the summer the record comes out. Just seeing them open that whole show that day. And knowing, oh my gosh, these guys are going to be something. And then seeing how far it really went. You know, going platinum and then double platinum after that is like mind blowing that something that heavy and gnarly like that can be that successful. But it makes sense. Every song is awesome to one degree or another. I know people have some problems with some of the slower, creepier ones, but dude, 
the level of energy on there. It was the culmination. You know, they're not a straight up new metal band, but that was definitely the basis of their sound. It's like the perfect culmination of that whole era, taken to its raw, most raw, most extreme aspects. It's a classic for a reason. I can't wait to see what they do for the 20th anniversary. It's so good. Yeah, dude. And obviously they had a lot of time to fine tune those songs. So that is some of their best work. And even they would acknowledge that, that, you know, that's their best record as they have in like top 10 lists. People have asked them to compile Raza Odiata, as I pronounce it super shittily and my ancestors would be bummed by Brujeria. There we go. Dude, it's, I love the guitar tone on that record. I love how organic it sounds. I know it's kind of loose for lack of better definition but i feel like that was the perfect balance dude because everybody talks about matando hueros dude that production is so gnarly it's it's so hard to listen to and i know that's part of the appeal but dude it's borderline unlistenable those songs are classic for a reason <laughs> but like and then you go to um yeah i have a hard time with it yeah brujerismo and that's like a damn fear factory record which is cool but it's like not what I thought of when I thought of Brujeria, right? I feel like I'm trying to overcompensate for that shitty pronunciation earlier. And I love all those records to one degree or another. But like I feel like Raza Odiata, there we go. Feels like a bicycle. You just start and then it keeps going. That was the perfect middle ground to me. And I and I like those, you know, that that collection of songs front to back. Like and just consider who was in the band at the time, you know. You got Dino and Ray from Fear Factory at the time. Shane from Napalm had whatever level of, you know, involvement that he had at the time because he's still part of the band now. Uh, and I think I saw Jesse and Mitch from Napalm were involved in some way or another. Uh, it's just an awesome collection of dudes. It's, it's a sick record. The videos for it are hilarious. Awesome record. Now, here's where it might get a little contentious for some people, but maybe not because I'm seeing how the reverence for this record has grown in years, even more so than I feel it already was. We talk about Machine Head being one of the long story bands of Roadrunners history, right? And a lot of people would point to the Blackening. And I can't disagree with that. Like like on paper, yeah, it's actually like a great album. Like the way it's structured, like the the epic, you know, stature of that album is something to be commended for sure. But I've really had to do a lot of soul searching in recent years as to what my favorite Machine Head album is. And the more I thought about it, dude, it's burned my eyes. It's, it's considered a classic for a reason, dude. Like, like just the way it came storming out. It's just them going, hey, we're here. Fuck you. This is this is our time. And that, that was 25 years ago. I, I, and to commemorate it, they're, they're doing the fucking album in its entirety with most of the lineup intact from that recording. Really? I thought they were done. They're 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 auditioning new guys right now and but in the meantime to commemorate the album they got logan mater and chris contos back wow and uh not only that but they've recorded they've re-recorded the whole thing in a live setting and they're gonna no unveil shit. each song uh week by week i think wow like and they're gonna keep all the flaws in they like just did it one take all right live. cool can't yeah. wait for that because yeah. fuck yeah that's amazing yeah dude i i'm looking forward to that but like just the the fucking anger and this is like when they were all methed out and dealing drugs and all sketchy and like like they like like they were like a legit like scary group of dudes you know like and just the the place they were coming from the idea that he's talked about in in recent times with when we recorded that album i was actually really fed up with metal so my idea about what machine head was going to be was introducing elements of coming more from hardcore and like and like you know what was going on in gangster rap at the time and neurosis yeah dude and just taking taking all those elements and making a whole new approach to metal and like 
fuck, dude. Like, like it's just palpable as hell, dude. And those just like every song is just out the gate angry, especially those first three songs. You know, Davidian obviously being the huge classic, and then Davidian, especially the end of that end breakdowns, yeah. probably one of the heaviest fucking things I've ever fucking heard. Yeah, dude. And then right into old, which is like. Dead Church was actually supposed to be faster. They said it in the liner notes. Really? Thanks, it was like, thank you to so-and-so for having a slow down Death Church. It's like a buddy of theirs that said, okay. hey, you should play it slower. Like, uh, Death Church. Um, but like their little instrumental of Realize, Realize, Realize. Mm-hmm. That was really cool because it had like the, the little fucking samples in it that made it super fucking street. Yeah. You know, and then you had I'm Your God Now with like the fucking killer fucking bass tone the guitars sound fantastic oh, the yeah. drumming on it's fucking amazing yep. it's my number three there, there you go to be revisited um and a shout out colin richardson during this time dude he did that and um i think he did uh the more things change too but he did the first two fear factory records or he did i should say demanufacture and sold the new machine if you don't count concrete being their first one but dude he was on fire during that time producing like that there's just Clutch like Fear Factory being on there. I mean, I don't want to get too into it because we've talked about him so much on other episodes, and we still need to do it. Uh, episode, An episode, yeah. I, I kind of want to like try and not talk about it as much as possible so mm-hmm. we we have something to to say and not repeat. Yep, uh, when we get to an actual episode, but mm-hmm. still, it's almost like you can say too much but you can't say enough because exactly, fuck yeah. man they're just so fucking awesome uh, yeah. so uh I, and i mean we could talk roadrunner all day dude because like they've had so many great bands in their stable so to cap it off i want to say this the band i want to cap off my uh, honorable mentions with is uh, suffocation specifically effigy of the forgotten a lot of people pay, or point out uh pierced within as being their favorite pierced from within and that's fine dude effigy of the forgotten is it for me that was like death metal was building up and you could tell it was like you know everybody was trying to outdo each other heavier faster more technical more brutal whatever and then i feel like when effigy or effigy effigy of the forgotten came out that was like okay here's the bar now everybody's gotta be like this minimal right you know as, as far as like that's the new standard right you know, obviously Scott Burns and Morris Sound, you know, have been integral as far as death metal goes and developing that sound. But I feel like that arguably was the finest hour. And he's obviously got a very specific sound to him, Scott Burns did. But like that was the one that everybody was like, that, that specifically, that's what we got to do now. As revered as it is for a reason. Like, fuck, man. Like, they had the killer fucking logo. They mm-hmm. had the fucking, uh, what's the fuck? Dan Seagrave fucking mm-hmm. artwork. With that weird little mascot dude. You're not really so sure. So, that's my is. number four. Fucking hey. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I mean, fucking. I listed half your list. <laughs> fuck it. You want to get into it? Or get into it? Long Island. Dude. It's just gnarly as fuck. Yep. Set the standard, dude. Nothing pretty. About suffocation, mm-hmm. completely or, eternal, or Frank, yep, for that matter. I think when I first, I don't even remember when I first heard that album. You know, but I mean, I'd heard Cannibal Corpse, I'd heard Deicide, like I'd heard all the, like the Tampa, the Tampa stuff. Yeah, uh, so it was a little bit later, but I think that was the first suffocation album I heard, and it was like, okay, I mean, I need more. Right, I was like, I need more now. So I mean, I heard Breeding the Spawn, yeah. 
it's got a weird sound to it. It's recorded yeah. poorly. Oh, yeah. And then Pierce from Within, I think a lot of the reason why people like it so much is because the production on it is way better, but it doesn't have a Mike Smith on it. No, exactly. Like, it's it Doug like, Coolross, eh. right? Yeah. Yeah. Dave Coolross? Yeah. Or is that the guitar player? No. Uh, well, let's see. I want anyway. to make sure we're accurate here. But yeah, like that that album, it brought a different type of brutality to it because there's not a lot of catchy stuff on there. Doug Bond, that's what it was. Uh, there's not a lot of catchy stuff on there. Yeah, old Cannibal Corpse stuff. I mean, for what everybody wants to think about it, it has a lot of catchy shit. In Absolutely. It. You know, yeah. Deicide, old Deicide has a lot of catchy shit, really groovy. And then obviously Morbid Angel is even fucking groovier than that. And fucking Obituary is pretty slow and just fucking. I mean, you can hum that shit. Yep. You can. But uh, uh, suffocation. It's pure brutal. Yeah, they didn't have any. Like they didn't. Have, well, it's not that they didn't have any of it. They just didn't have as much of it. Yeah. Like not even close. Yeah. It was. If if you don't know what the difference is between traditional death metal and brutal death metal, that's it. That's the difference. <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yep. There's not a lot of like humming parts. There's not a lot of groovy parts. Well, I mean, everything has a groove. Just sometimes it, you know, it's a groove you don't like, but. Mm-hmm. There's slow grooves and fast grooves. But as far as what everybody considers groove, it's, there's not a lot of it. It's yeah. brutal death metal, dude. Yep. Like, And it's kind of the birth of it. And it's gnarly as fuck. If you've ever bothered, you know, check out Frank's vocal I, lyrics on there. Um, they're kind of crazy. I remember looking up, oh man, there's a fucking video on YouTube. I think of them doing Effigy. Effigy of the Forgotten, is that the one with the song that starts with that little bass and drum thing at the beginning? I'm not sure. Mm. It wasn't Legion of Inveracity, which that's the fucking dun 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 yeah, dun, yeah, dun. Yeah. Oh, infecting the crypts. Yeah, dude, that's the that's the shit. Actually, right is there. that what I just said? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, yeah, like dude. it's fucking all. Like, there's a video of them doing. That. I saw, I saw this video of it, man. There's this tiny little fucking club, dude. Frank's got long hair. I was like, yeah, what the yeah. Fuck? I think I've seen that too. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen them back then. Like, yeah. I don't remember ever seeing pictures of them or nothing. Because I mean, they were never magazines or anything. No. And I never got like the Pit magazine. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have more. I didn't start getting it till it was like almost. I mean, because I was, I wasn't really getting magazines at that point. Yeah. But, I have a few of those. But yeah, man, like fucking Effigy of the Forgotten is classic fucking death metal album. And as an album, man, it's really good front to back. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's why it made it above Cause of Death. Mm-hmm. You know, was I, I feel like there's a couple spots on Cause of Death where I'm kind of like, eh, you know, yeah. it doesn't really need to be there. It's not horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought there's five albums that are better. You yeah, know? the or, level of you know, whatever. consistency. Uh, let's see. My number five. Your number five is Kill Switch Engage Live or Just Breathing. Nice. So that's the newest one in this list. And you know, the fucking album changed my fucking life. It really fucking helped me through a lot of shit. So I don't know if you'll hear that story before this or after this. Depends on when I decide to put it out. But I'll save it for whatever episode that is and just say, like, man, when you hit Number Days, Self Revolution, Fixation on Darkness, My Last Serenade, Life to Lifeless, right there. Mm-hmm. Like that's. That's a perfect run right there. It's <laughs> your fuck, man. I mean, that's a fucking, you know, five song fucking run that's just fucking big time. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that, like, when it was, you know, I mean, it was kind of at, I don't know if it actually came out before any of them. It's the first one I heard, though. So to me, they were pretty much the start of that, of the metalcore bigness. Of course, there was bands before that. Of course, there was stuff like that before that. 
man, when this album fucking dropped, it was fucking huge, oh, man. Yeah. Because that's when, like, I talked, maybe talked about, like, okay, yeah, I was fucking downloading out of some guy's folder. I thought the name looked cool. I fucking downloaded it. I listened to it. And I remember hearing this album and just like, fuck, I mean, I, I even had it out of order and I still loved it. <laughs> you know, then I put it in the right order. I looked it up and found it all, whatever. Put yeah. it in the right order. And it's just such a fucking good album. Mm-hmm. It has a, a good start. You know, the time approaches, you know, mm-hmm. and then it ends like fucking basically rise. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, it's such a fucking killer album. And yeah. to say this front loaded is bullshit. It's no, just yeah. what they did. I thought was kind of smart because they kept it as an album, but they really put a lot of like some of the catchier stuff at the start of it, yeah. but not even the very start, mm-hmm. but like in the start of it. Then it hits the fucking super fucking heavy one. And then you have two more fucking like really melodic ones. You know what I mean? Like they, they yeah. were really smart with the sequencing on that one. And um, did you hear the fucking songs that didn't make the record, dude? Well, yeah, that's oh the other that, you know, That's the other thing. Then you get the fucking version now and you can get that Howard Jones version of Fixation on the Darkness mm-hmm. as just as an album. No question when this when I started making my list that this went on there. I just wasn't sure where it was going to be. I just knew it was definitely in the top five, and you know nothing knocked it out of there. So right. what's your number five? My number five. So I said that my favorite Max album is uh, Chaos AD. My favorite Sepultura album is actually a Derek album, and it's Nation. I, I think that record's underrated as hell. Maybe a lot of people don't. I don't know. Maybe they just heard the first song and they were like, eh, fair enough. From Sepal Nation, which I think is like one of the more alright songs, to, you know what, I need the fucking track listing real quick here. I, I want to do this justice. Like, like, because I understand you're coming up against, and like, and that's the thing, is like, obviously, Roadrunner favored Max and um, Soulfly, and then eventually Cavalera Conspiracy. Because this is also the last one that Sepultura did with Roadrunner, I believe. Second one, with second Derek one with Derek, yeah, at last Roadrunner, yeah, correct? yeah, but but the last one because then they went on to SPV. I after have pretty that. much no connection with Sepultura with Derek. A lot of people don't, and I mean, well, it's that's what I'm saying. Like, wait, me. it's not just Roadrunner; it was most people. Like, granted, they're doing fine; they yeah. have plenty of fans, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, But I've said it numerous times; like, I'm. Like excited for certain episodes, and the Sepultura one would be one because then I have okay, you have to listen to this you know uh, for the episode, and yeah. and you know at this point it's like yeah, I kind of need a reason to listen to it, man. Like yeah, like that now I'm thinking about it. I my, I'm probably gonna want to save a lot of this for the Sepultura episode because again, it is my favorite album, my favorite fucking songs. Say, talk on about this the album, record, not yeah. necessarily like. There's like it's like kind of a return to Chaos AD where it's got the the political, you know, you know, be wary of propaganda kind of thing with, with the political aspect. But like Sepal Nation kind of I don't want to say classic, but you know, groovy borderline cuz Igor's doing the drum thing, uh tribal drumming for lack of better definition. Does it still I guess that's my thing. I've always wanted to know. Does it still sound like Sepultura without Max or does it sound like a totally different thing? It could be what do you, what do you both. Think? It could look at you depending on how you want to look at it. It could go either or, dude. Like, because there's still a lot of classic Sepultura on here, but they throw in so many more elements. And here's the thing, man. As much as I love Max, 
He can only do Max. You know what I mean? Derek could sing too, and he does it a lot on here, and I like it a does lot. Does he? Yeah. Well, because I always wondered because I did hear some of the stuff with Derek. Like I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think this album at all. Mm-hmm. But I have heard, I think stuff after this. Uh, Dante I know 21. I've heard some stuff off of Against. Yeah, because I did, I did give that one a listen because that was the first one with the new singer, yeah. and and for the most part, I didn't like a whole lot of it. Yeah, but I've heard a couple things after this one, mm-hmm. songs here and there. It really, I think what when Max left and made Soulfly, I think my biggest thing was like I kind of always thought like. At some point, Sepultura, you know, they they, they did Roots, mm-hmm. you know, and at some point I thought like, you know, they said like, yo, hey man, like, we don't want to do this, yeah, and he fucking left and started Soulfly, which was basically fucking Sepultura Roots, just times ten, right? Right. They get Derek, and but the stuff that I've heard isn't like no you know what sepultura so i'm like well wait a minute maybe it wasn't a thing like we don't want to do this maybe it was just they just didn't get along it wasn't a musical thing i think it's a little bit of all of that because i do think that they didn't you know they wanted the if i heard correctly based on the books that they put or max has put out or whatever or whoever they wanted to kind of change it up again and obviously they went their musical direction after the personal split too right but like even derek he comes from more of a hardcore background, so he doesn't have the same vocal style that Max does, right? Uh, to each their own, you know, liking of whether they prefer that or what Max was doing. But, like, even, like, a lot of the songs on this and against, like, there's little short hardcore songs as well. And, again, I don't, I think the consensus is that most people didn't really like against. I love the song <laughs> Choke, but that's about it. So on this, I thought, I thought they really hit their stride with what they were doing with Derek. Um, because again, you got, so you got your simple nation, then you got revolt, which is one of, it's a 57 or six second, um, basically hardcore song. And then you got border wars, which was the first song I heard off of it on another state of mind, rest in peace on one Oh five, three back in the day. And I was like, yeah, dude, I can get into this right here. Uh, and then they played, um, politrix with jello Biafra right after that. And I was like, whoa. And that's later in the album. But, like, just from there, like, each song, I can listen to each song and love it just as much as the one before. Like, there's an actual flow that Nation di- or, uh, Against didn't have. There's a cohesiveness. There's a running theme. There's, like, an up and down kind of flow as far as, like, the moods. and the di- Each song sounds unique from each other aside from the hardcore ones, but they're all fun. One of them's got Jamie from Hatebreed. Um and you remember Apocalyptica, the the cello metal band from Finland or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah. They're on the last one, and that's kind of an early instrumental thing. I fucking love this album, dude. Yeah, I just need a... I just... It's legit. Like, there's so much music nowadays, I just need a fucking reason. And yeah, it's yeah. not going to be like, oh, I need to check this. I want to check this out. We kind of already talked about my number four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to heat up some coffee. What's your number four? My number four is another one that you brought up as well, and that's October Rust. Like, nice. yeah, man, like, ah, oh, dude, I love that. Everybody always says Bloody Kisses is the classic one. I can't disagree with that. It's just not my favorite. October Rust, dude, I remember hearing Love You to Death on um, 105.3 again, uh, 96, which is crazy to think it got airplay back then. But that's kind of the direction they were going. And I mean, like, I could shout out a little bit of love for each, you know, typo release. More and more, the, the older I get... My, my love for October Rust has stayed consistent my entire life. My love for World Coming Down grows each year, so there could be a point where it overtakes it. But for now, dude, October Rust all the way. The aesthetic, I you know, there's something to be said for, like, 
you know, art you actually connect with in an album. And just like when you open it up and it's got all the different, you know, colored leaves according to what song is what. I love that, you know. Fucking Josh, I believe Josh and I think Peter produced every typo work there was, right? So there's the consistent sound to it. But this is the one where they experimented with layering sounds and whatnot. And it really shows, you know, there, there's reverb and especially, you know, little stuff all over this record and it enhances the shit out of it this is like their most goth i would say for lack of better definition not so much with like the church organs and stuff but just like when you think of like the cure or something like that where it's like super reverby and shimmery at least in that respect i guess the orange after three albums of just green absolutely yeah for sure it's the only orange correct world come down is all green yeah yeah Dude, the greatest hits great albums are all green. Shit. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's the only one that's orange, and that's reflective of like fall, right? And rust. Yeah, so and rust. Yeah. From I always thought like the organ part, like my girlfriend's girlfriend. That whole that whole song kind of reminds me of something like the Doors would do if yeah. if they were like a little more aggro <laughs> and like alive, yeah. you know, like then in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. You know, you had like. You know the fucking pseudo the the patented pseudo instrumental where there is vocals but there's very little yeah, words. Yeah, it's like weird chanting. I'm trying to remember what it was, it's called. She's yeah, I think she's fallen. Oh there's yeah. There's not a you know all of the flowers like there's yeah. not a lot of words to it, but it's it's essentially glorified instrumental. There's a lot of repetition, yeah. You know, because he does it. They do it on Bloody Kisses too. Yeah. You know, set me on fire. You know, the same kind of deal. It's it's an instrumental with vocals, which is weird but to say, but it is. Yeah. You know, um and then dude, love you to death. I mean, fuck. Oh, yeah. If I mean that's is that one of the sexiest metal songs ever? Like I would I mean, put it dude, up for contention for the You know, and there's fuck man, be my druidist yep. and the green man. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even know what the fuck that means, dude, but it's so <laughs> fucking cool sounding. That's the one that starts with the uh, garbage trucks, right? The, I think so, but like yeah. dude, the fucking like the guitars it it sounds better than Bloody Kisses, but mm-hmm. no, Bloody Kisses, you know, fucking worlds above fucking slow, deep, and hard. But which I also love. But <laughs> it's it's like I said, it's one of the prettiest albums I've ever oh, yeah. heard. It's definitely the their fucking least layers with the fucking. I don't know if it's harmonies so much. I guess it's just layers of chords. Yeah. So it's like they start off on this note of the chord, and then it goes up to this note of the chord, and then mm-hmm. in this. Note. So it's such a full fucking sound. Like, it's crazy. And, like, his bass sounds awesome on oh, it, yeah. dude. Like, the drums. Yeah, dude. It's a fucking great album, yeah. man. Like, it's one of the only ones of theirs I love the full album. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And there's a consistency. It's like I was saying with other albums, right? Like, you can listen to the whole thing in one sitting and be like, okay, time to go again. Like, and the fact that it ends with fucking Wolf Moon and then Haunted, dude. Like, oof. You were saying drums too. I think this is the first time they started using a drum machine because that was their last uh, Bloody Kisses, but the last one with Sal, and then he was shortly there replaced with uh, Johnny Kelly. Let's see, yeah, Johnny Kelly. But that's all he did was the live stuff until the last album. So it's got that kind of drum sound that I've really come to appreciate in in recent times, which is just drum machine. But that like it, you know it accentuates the vibe they're going with, where it's cold and kind of mechanical, you know. Yeah, dude, I love it just it. sounds really this fucking good. This album is fucking classic. And the fact that it's bookended with them being jerks and pranking the fucking audience, dude. And then the fact that it ends all beautiful. And, like, they had the abrupt endings to the songs and whatnot, too. You know, like, the Haunted ends with 
Peter in the middle of it going, yeah, that was it. Uh, sorry. See you next time or something. <laughs> Look. Ah, I love it. True pinnacle, dude. Rightfully, went gold. It's so weird because they, they are so tongue-in-cheek, but they do sound so serious sometimes. I love it, dude. Wait, can't wait for that typo episode. It's before coming. The, before, that, before this album, because this is specifically about the album, it, we can repeat it, but, I mean, this is specific to this album. I remember reading the interview to it, and everybody said, like, you know, oh, you're fucking sellouts. The interview is like, oh, you guys are selling out. Mm-hmm. And, he, and I remember Peter Steele saying, like, of course I'm fucking selling out. Well, okay, so it was like the pre-listen or whatever. Yeah. And that's what it was. It's like, are you worried about selling out? And about people calling you a sellout. And he's like, I want to sell out. He's like, I was a fucking, I was making, you know, 50 grand, 60 grand a fucking year mm-hmm. as a fucking garbage man yep. in New York City. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm not doing this for my fucking health, man. Yeah, like, yeah. I need to I need to fucking make some money. I mean, and at the time when I was reading it, I, I didn't know anything about Really about typo negative, yeah. And I was like, "Is he serious?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I guys. thought, well, if he is serious, at least he's being serious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love. Like that, I don't that care either way. Yeah, he talks about joking around about like I we wanted we moved in a more goth direction because I I really like goth chicks and I figured that's how he would get them to like our music. Right. Oh uh, man. Like, like, just go on the internet and just look up compilations of Peter Steele being hilarious. Yeah, dude. I, I didn't know. You know, I'm just reading this thing, just like, wow, I've never seen anybody mm-hmm. have the balls to say something like that. Yeah. True yeah. or not, true or not, didn't Dude, matter. We're one of a he kind. fucking said it, and he never did yeah. in the rest of the interview. Yep. He never did say if he was kidding or not. Oh, yeah. No, they're, Which they're, makes it even better. Yep, they're one like, of a kind, dude. Because then I heard the actual album, and I'm like, holy fuck. Yep. All right. How is this not more popular? Yeah. I, like, I'm this so should glad, be so much more popular. I'm so glad to see that they're, like, becoming more influential with younger, younger audiences and stuff. Dude, Acacia Strain, not a band you would think of at first. All over the fucking place. I have an Acacia... The first Acacia Strain shirt I ever fucking bought was a, was a typo rip, where it was, like, in their font and it had green pictures and shit. And, like, like, Devin's guitar, he's got a guitar that's bright green with the typo logo on it. And like, uh, code orange, like fuck, dude. That's for another episode, though. Go listen to Typo if you haven't, especially this album. You crazies. What about you? All right, so number three, my number three is Machine Head, Burn My Eyes. So nice. I heard this album in a blockbuster music. There you go. And it was between Machine Head, Burn My Eyes, or Carcass Heartwork. Ooh. I actually left with Carcass. Nice. Hey, I mean, can't fight. Both. <laughs> I could recorded, only buy one. I could yeah, only yeah. buy one. Both and, recorded by Colin Richardson, <laughs> so I'm sure he was happy either way. And I was like, damn it, I can only get one. Mm-hmm. And that that riff in Buried Dreams got me, so I was like, all right, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to fucking take this one. Now, shortly after I bought Burn My Eyes, mm-hmm. okay, well, we'll keep it to Burn My Eyes. So one thing I really loved about this album, especially versus other Machine Head albums, was the fact that like it had... The thrash, death metal, polished sound, uh, obviously modern, but it had more of like the scoop sound where like the more things change, Burning Red had like, you know, a little more mid heavy on the guitars. Um, The drums were a little more like less compressed sounding. This this whole album sounds a little bit more like that, that death metal compression style to me, especially at the time. Now I really appreciate kind of like all of it yeah. a little bit more but back then it was just it was even when the more things change came out i mean i love that album but man 
it, I still was just like, no, burn my eyes. Yeah. You know, nope, burn my eyes. It's, mm-hmm. They have, again, we talked about it earlier with some of the songs, but another, another one um, that I would love to say about this is if you have a chance, look up some of the live stuff from this tour, man. When Rob still had, still wore hair and cornrows. Mm-hmm. Total street style. They had those fucking slick collared uh, jackets, those thin plastic, those thin windbreaker jackets with the collar and the yeah. buttons. Uh, a la corn Deftones. Uh, he was rocking the khakis and the and the fucking Adidas. He's walking pit bulls in the video for Davidian. Yeah, like um, <laughs> it's a thing to behold, dude. Yep. Like, oh yeah, they were okay. Watch those live videos. I think there's one from. I think it's a big day out. Probably right. It's the one so, with like yeah. they have like the biohazard videos. It's oh. like all those dudes are on the side of the stage. Yeah, yeah. Or, or there's also the Dynamo one. Dynamo, that's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. So it's the videos from Dynamo. Um, there's a ton of them on YouTube. I don't know if there's the whole thing. I would love to see it in, in in sequence, but it's not. But you can see like you know Billy from fucking Biohazard like standing on the side of the stage and he said they were know, very instrumental. All this sort of thing. Like, there's all this stuff like yeah. all these guys on the side of the stage and they're just fucking going crazy like on the stage and. And then put yourself back in 1995. Mm-hmm. If I had seen these guys live then, I would have shit myself because I was trying to be like that without ever even having seen them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was already trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, my hair was in cornrows. I had no idea Rob Flynn wore cornrows. Nice. I wore cornrows because I was trying to grow my fucking hair out. Mm-hmm. And I don't like hats. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah. And the in-between stage fucking sucks for hair. Like I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm going to corner on my hair. So, right. But I mean, I love those jackets. I had eh, maybe not the khaki fucking pants. I didn't wear dickies or anything. Uh, you know, they just weren't as cool then for where I lived. We wore, you know, the fucking, <laughs> well, I did have some khaki jinkos. Right. So I guess it's the same thing. But yeah, same look. We were trying to play the same kind of music. Maybe not in 95, uh, you know, but around there, like you know, it was same kind of thing. They they really brought the the street level stuff that I already loved from rap music, and they brought it into metal because I actually heard Machine Head before I heard. Well, I liked Machine Head before I liked Biohazard. Okay, and so like I had heard Biohazard on MTV. I hadn't heard an album yet, not yet, not not a full album. Right, and these guys were it. You know, and it was just like, fuck, this is the coolest, newest, freshest thing. Yeah. Like, it was so fucking cool. So without squashing a Machine Head episode, which we definitely can't because there's so much, you know, so much history that they've got. Like, Burn My Eyes is not just one of my top five Roadrunner Records albums. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's a special, you know, capturing of a time and place, you know, because like, dude, how different, even, even a little different... Which in the long run ended up being a lot between that and um, the more things change. Yeah, right? like like do the harmonics. Yeah, you know, like that's neurosis shit. Oh yeah, that they brought into the thing. You know what I mean? Like the drum, like the like they had. I don't know. It's it's like almost like fucking rap slash hard like rap rhythms. On guitar, which well, I mean, hardcore's had for a long time. Yeah, you know, with Biohazard, <laughs> and they and they and they brought they really brought that. 
But they also, because of his former bands, I mean, you know, they had a thrash element too. Mm-hmm. So they had like a lot of speed in some parts. And yeah. they definitely had the guitar licks. They were. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so they, they were kind of a perfect uh, marriage of a lot of different things. Yeah. They were a lot of some blend. of these bands we've been talking about. Exactly. You know, Soulfly, um, you know, Fear Factory. This was the time. Mm-hmm. Mid, you know, mid 90s to early 2000s was that really man like if you could fucking if it was a type of music and you could figure out a way to combine it yeah man you you were on like that's what i love about the original idea of what new metal was dude like like it was taking things from a different angle you know what i mean save it for a new metal episode No, absolutely yeah um you're number me. three so this was one I struggled with where I was going to place it. Uh, this is one that's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. We, you know, it's it's a perfect segue from Typo because Josh from uh, Typo produced it, so it's got a bit of that in it, and they shared the same drummer for a hot minute. I'm going to go with River Runs Red. Nice, it's my number Agony. two. There you go. We're combining that shit right here, dude. In the recent years, I had a real hard time, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people did, listening to anything they did after that, man. It's just so different. and it, I still don't. Yeah. So I, I grew to appreciate it in, in recent years, finally. Uh, but, dude, it's, it's such a special record to so many people. They were really doing their own sound that nobody's really, you know, the closest that's come out, in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of other people's, and they would probably say it themselves, is Twitching Tongues. But even they put a bit of a different spin on it. You know, it's it's they were coming from the hardcore crossover background, you know, especially considering where they're from in New York. But they put like a little bit of alternative rock spin on it that nobody else was doing. So but they, they were, were kind of a zillion thing. times heavier than Helmet. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. I love Helmet. Yeah. Another great crossover band. Yeah. These guys were just on that, that heavier side of that. Mm-hmm. Where Helmet may have been more a little bit on the punkish side of it yeah these guys were like really on the heavy side of it the fucking riffs Mm -hmm. on this album absolutely dude jesus christ dude the start of bad seed Mm -hmm. the fucking breaking underground the fucking literally any breakdown in any of the fucking the the breakdown on river runs red yeah like fuck man that whole album you know then the fucking skits dude it's so good and it just everybody that listens to it either they have this really like gnarly emotional tie to it right oh yes because of the lyrics and what do you call it the song not structures the sequencing as far as the whole album? no but the song like well there's like the song meanings or the subject matter like yeah. of, of the songs there we go there's this heavy emotional tie which i never really had i mean i i i, I enjoyed the story in the sense that, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a sad tale, but I don't really get overly sad about it. It's, mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's relatable. Even if you haven't had those same kind of thoughts, it's still relatable. Oh, yeah. Even the most confident people have, have felt like, you know, an underdog at some point or, or felt kicked down a little bit. But for me, this album, the music... I never heard anything like that before. Nothing mm-hmm. that heavy, dude. Right. Like that. And it's not saying this is the heaviest album in the world. It's just the style of stuff that they were playing was so fucking heavy. Mm-hmm. It was different than Crowbar. Crowbar was a little bit slow, mm-hmm. but this was slow. But 
to- like a totally different fucking style because it was from a hardcore background ish. And, you know, they did have, they did remind me of Typo Negative. A lot of the sound reminded me of Typo Negative, the heavy scoop guitar sound. It's that Brooklyn the thing. The big bass sound, like the huge bottom end. Yeah. But again, it was heavier than Typo Negative. Mm-hmm. It was more serious than Typo Negative. It was heavier than Typo Negative. It was, it was just different. And then, you know, you throw on fucking Keith's vocals, and it was so fucking unique, too, because yeah. oh, yeah. I'd never heard anything like that. Yeah. I, I think probably the closest thing I can think of to hearing something, like, vocally like that would be probably something like Fear Factory when Burton is doing, like, the opera-style vocals over top of the heavy music, because I'd never heard anything like that either. Yeah. That's probably the... The only thing I can really kind of compare it to, mm-hmm. as far as strangeness, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it's definitely a little off kilter. And I was gonna say, I you know, I made that comparison earlier. If you like River Runs Red, go listen to Twitching Tongues. But even Colin doesn't quite do the same thing. You know, he's he's doing his own take on it. You said that before, and I still haven't done it. Fucking remember the name of the album. In Love There Is No Law. If you like River Runs Red, go to In Love There Is No Law. It's like the sequel to River Run Reds that never happened or never happened. Actually, now aren't they writing a sequel? They announced that the next album is going to be a sequel to River Runs Red, and it's going to be what if the the character survived at the end? Which, wow! I mean, he wouldn't be the first one that opened himself up no, and lived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but just like like we're talking like I was talking much to a lot of those people's chagrin. Yeah, we, we, I was talking about it with with Greg one night. We were just like, man, that is hollow ground. But, like, shit, how many uh, concept albums have there been sequels to, you know? Dude, Hallowed Ground, fucking Operation Mindcrime, and they did a sequel to that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where my mind went. And they're getting Sylvia Massey, who was the big producer from the 90s that did the early Tool stuff. Like, I'm holding out hope. I, I, I got confidence in them. At the very least, it'll be interesting, you know? So, fucking A. River I'm hoping red. so, because, man, I don't like much of anything after this. Mm-hmm. I, ugly's whatever, mm-hmm. but that's for a Life of Agony episode. Yep, yep. Number two. Oh, my number two is River Runs Red, so you got to <laughs> give... <laughs> that's right, I forgot. you got to give your number two, Woo! dude. Okay. Like we said before, Kill Switch was fucking devastating when they came out with Alive or Just Breathing. Almost immediately after, they lose Jesse. Huge bummer. She's like, well, who could possibly fill those shoes? Dude, that's one of the most distinct things about that band is that voice. Who's this Howard Jones guy? I guess we'll give him a shot. Damn. Opens up the fucking, the, the world even bigger to this kind of music with the, or end of heartache. Fucking pinnacle, right? Dude, the only reason I didn't take end of heartache was because Alive or Just Breathing it was basically the important factor. Yeah, I think a That's lot of people. That's the only reason. Yeah, I, I, I think when you know the 15th anniversary came about, a lot of people were like going back and forth about which is the the most important Killswitch album, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, dude, it's got to be Alive or Just Breathing." Now that a little more time has passed, a lot of people are going, "Nah, I think it's End of Heartache, dude." Like they're both fucking important for what they did, you know. I'll say this: End of Heartache, I think. So, one, it is my favorite uh, Kill Switch Engage album. Mm-hmm. I also think it is, just as an overall album, I think it is a better album than Alive or Just Breathing. Like I said, I mean, the importance of Alive or Just Breathing. I know people think this one's super important, too. Obviously, well, okay, 
it goes back to my Slipknot Iowa thing. Like, it is important because it's it's the follow-up to the one that got them big. Obviously, mm-hmm. they had the album, the self-titled one before that. Right. But, you know, that's just the first one. Yeah. They had the success, the successful one. Mm-hmm. They needed to follow it up. And they had to follow it up with a, di- a different singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know, which is a big deal. Yep. But slightly less of a big deal than getting on in the first place. Mm-hmm. To me. Yeah. That's just my opinion. No, I feel you. I'll just say. But so close. End, I mean, it yeah. was. And if Heartache went gold, a library of just breathing still <laughs> hasn't. So, like, like, not that that really matters for anything, but they're both important. It was like. Alive or just breathing, kick down the door, and then fucking... As far as numbers go, the end of Heartache has the end of Heartache, the song on it. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's easily their biggest song. Uh, it's not, because we're going to get to that in a sec. It's... What are you going, by streams? Yeah. Okay, have you ever seen the live DVDs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know, I know, I know. When you have but... a fucking crowd singing that, yeah. like... All right. Yeah. I mean, because they did get more fans as they went on, mm-hmm. where... Some of us, that's where they lost us. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go ahead and say it then. My number two is where they lost you, probably. It's As Daylight Dies. That, to me... Whoa, I thought you were talking about End of Harding. I was, that's what I, I typed leading, in. I was leading into oh. all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, so real quick, Alive or Just Breathing knocked down the door for, for metalcore and heavier music in general for that era. End of Heartache took down the goddamn wall. You know, like, like that's, you know. So by this time, Killswitch is at their pinnacle. You know, moment. It's it's their absolute commercial peak. Think about like the tours they were on and stuff. As daylight dies comes out, I know it was a lot. Of, you know, very too commercial for a lot of people. That's what I like the most about them, dude. They were. It's like if you just took away the metal aesthetic, they'd just be like really solid. You know, fun poppy rock songs or. It's whatever. probably the peakest at the emo scene mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, most definitely. Was this exact same time? Yeah. So like, it's all a perfect. So storm. they pulled from that whole crowd too. Yeah. Which that crowd spent a lot of money. Yes, they did. You know, like, uh, yeah. A lot of shirts. Um, yeah, that crowd was definitely about the look. And that uh, was the thing. I mean, you can sell fucking merch like crazy. And again, I mean, they're, they're still, they're playing into heartache stuff. Or just that song. Mm-hmm. All those emo kids that loved As Daylight Dies, they're, I mean, they're out there screaming those songs too. So, mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. Huge. And they had the cover of uh, Holy Diver by Dio, dude. Like, that's the thing is I love the uh, special edition even more. I love the songs that didn't make the album. That was on there. The song they wrote for WWE was on there that they still play because people like it so much. This Fire Burns. That's easily the best song on the whole album. Yeah. Like, I fucking love that album. Me and my friends would just pile into somebody's car and we'd just drive around singing every word like we're a bunch of girls on, on college spring break or something Yeah, like I actually that. don't like the album. I know, I know. I know. But, like, but, I, I mean, love it. Right after that is where things get a little I need to listen to it dicey. again see if I can handle it. But just the consistency of the songs, dude, top to bottom, awesome. Love it. Miss you, Howard. Glad you're going to be on the new uh, the new album for, for a song that's going to be fun, which they've apparently written and recorded 17 songs for. That'll be interesting. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Their first on Metal Blade. Save that for the Metal Blade episode. Hmm. Uh, interesting. I kind of spaced that off. Yeah. It's like for some reason I thought it. they were still on Roadrunner. No, but. they announced it, and then like nothing's come about, probably because they've been working on this fucking no, album for like likely, two yeah. years. But looking forward to it. It's that time. Number one. Number number one. 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 Ah, to me, I would say this is probably one of the most important metal albums in a long time. 
solely because it is the bridge between thrash and death metal era, mm-hmm. I guess. And they're fucking foreigners, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just playing. No, dude, fucking Sepultura Arise Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest fucking metal albums ever written. Undoubtedly. Even with the fucking extra tracks. It's still one of the best albums ever written. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so fucking good, Mm -hmm. dude. Every song on there is a fucking classic song. Every song on there is a banger. Every song on there is a jam of the day. Every song on there you could post to your Facebook page in succession. There wouldn't be the majority of the people like, well, fuck, ah, nah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. No, it would just be like, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, of course, that's the next one you post. Like, mm-hmm. so fuck. And you want to talk about starting off a fucking album. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's still going by, you know, sides. <laughs> right, yeah. But you started this album off with Arise, Dead Embryonic Cells, and Desperate Cry. Fucking like, done. fuck, dude, yeah, are you shitting me? Yes, sir. You know, Murder is super underrated. Subtraction is actually an underrated one. Altered State is almost reminds me of, like, first time they really work in, like, a lot, like, some, some tribal-ish stuff mm-hmm. with that little... Dude, the intro reminds me of fucking Predator all the time. Yeah, for sure. You know, Under Siege, Meaningless Movements, Affected Voice. Now, you have the extra songs. Orgasmatron, Mm -hmm. killer fucking cover from fucking Motorhead. That is the version to me. You know, then they have this intro, Arise, whatever. But the Criminals in Uniform. Like, is that a fucking cover? Doesn't say so. Really? Okay. Wait, no, it does. Is it? I thought it was. Yeah. It's a fucking cool tune. Like, all of it. Dude, that fucking album, god damn. You can listen to it in order. You can hit fucking shuffle. Mm-hmm. You can listen to half of it. You can listen to the other half. It doesn't fucking matter, dude. You can listen to this, song anyway, this album any way you want. It is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It really is the perfect blend. It's the perfect halfway point between thrash and death metal, dude. Because everybody talks about like Possessed being like... You know, the first death metal band, although they were still very on the thrash side as well. Kind of same with death. Same for a lot of bands up to that point. If you're looking at the clear cut, like, here's the best parts of both at that time. Produced by, again, Scott Burns. They came all the way to America this time to re- record at Morris Sound, dude. Fucking A. His vocals are lower than Hetfield, Mustaine, mm-hmm. Araya, mm-hmm. Chuck Billy, Azagueda. What the fuck's the dude's name? From um, Zetro. From, <laughs> Zetro, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zetro. Yep. Yes. His vocals are lower than all of them. They're rougher than all of them. Yep. And I mean, if you look at where he started. But in they're Sepultura. not as low and not as screamy as Chuck. Mm-hmm. As. John Tardy. Tardy. Yep. Vincent. You know, I fucking. Bobby he's so Frank off my radar, I can't even think of his name right now. Chris Barnes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, Chris Barnes. I've, I've got love for you. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But he's right in the middle. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's got the lowness. You know what I mean? Low enough to be, for some people, to consider death metal. Mm-hmm. But he's not guttural at all. You yeah. can literally understand every word he fucking says. He doesn't scream high at all. So it's like if he does get a little bit of screamy, it's it's low enough to where it's like not ear piercing. Right. But he's not singing either. He's not doing the yelling in key. He's not really doing a lot of that either. Not yeah. on this album. Not even like what he does on Chaos AD. Like it's just a 
this weird spot that not mm-hmm. a lot of people have been in. No, that's true. I don't even think Bolt Thrower goes there, do they? I don't think so. Not I've heard, this way. I've heard a lot of them. But what I remember of Bolt Thrower is just straight-up death metal vocals with like a little bit mellower music, right? Like More or less. <clears throat> not as not as chaotic music. Mm-hmm. So this, it, this is like some of the best thrash stuff I've ever heard, yeah. music-wise. Absolutely. Like the riffs and stuff, like, fuck. Mm-hmm. If you want to get music, like this is one of the best thrash albums I've ever heard. Oh yeah, but the vocals. Well, I mean, there's some, there's, there is something different with the music too. It's not traditional thrash. It is kind of more like I guess it's thrash inspired by thrash rather than thrash inspired by punk and metal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And obviously, they were a death metal band. I mean, they were pretty much a death metal band when they started out. Like mm-hmm. he, they were, they uh, were definitely more deathy. He introduces Troops of Doom as death metal every time they play it. Yeah, I mean, it's they were definitely more death metal than this album. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, they still have some of that. You know what I mean? It's not just the vocals. I mean, some of it is the music, too, because it is a little more extreme than most of the thrash bands, especially the drumming. Absolutely. That's To me, that's the key right there. Like, the drumming is definitely a little more extreme, a little more technical, technically sound than some of, you know, as far as the big four goes, you know. But, I mean, even as far as, like, Testament stuff, I mean, they, they kind of had the... The Metallica style stuff, where I guess these guys are probably more along the lines of like maybe an Exodus, yeah, or maybe you know Pestilence. That would be another one. They're kind of more along the lines of that, I guess. Right. You know, it's kind of it. Fuck, man. I just I want this. It's so weird because it's like I want to say it's it's you can't say what this album is without just having someone listen to it. True. You know what I mean? Like, but also. You know, it is hard because it came out in fucking 1991. There's just not a lot of people listening to it now that weren't there. Yeah. That really understand. Because I don't even think I heard it in 91. I didn't. I know. I think I was out of high school by the time I heard it. Yeah. You know, like, and even then, it was just like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. Like, this is just fucking amazing like you know and again it's it's this is another one where it's just it's not one of my just one of my favorite roadrunner records albums it's one of my favorite albums of all time and Mm -hmm. and that's i guess to wrap up my part of list like that's what roadrunner is to me you know they kind of are like if i if if our lives had to have a record label (laughs) I yeah. don't know what that means, but it sounds kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Mine would be Roadrunner. You know, now that I think about it, 90s Roadrunner almost could be a genre unto itself. You know what I mean? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Fucking it was a. just fucking unreal. Like, mm-hmm. in, when it was happening, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not like now. Like, when I'm looking back at it now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. When you're, when you're in the thick But when of it was it, happening, yeah. it was just like, oh, fuck yeah, cool, another Roadrunner album. Oh, fuck yeah, cool, another Roadrunner album. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck yeah. And then so... Yeah, you look back and it's like, damn, like that was, it wasn't just a label, it's almost like a movement. No, you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Like, it's fucking crazy. What's, all right. Because <laughs> I'm going to get crazy on oh, a I fucking know, Sepultura yeah. episode yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. So, what's your number one? I think I already know what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, would you like to take a guess? 
demanufactured by Fear Factory. Almost. It's the one after that. Obsolete? Yes, oh, sir. shit. Yep, yep. My first one. You never forget your first. So I've been told. Just like, and I'll say a lot about defanufacturer. I said some in the thing. I that's that's a shout out for sure. Whereas I said, you know, Soul of a New Machine was Napalm. Their version of Napalm meets Godflesh, and they've said that several times. And they were just kind of figuring themselves out. They became Fear Factory, the cohesive unit with a singular vision on demanufacture. And then obsolete was the next logical step. You know, they each it was their whole thing has been an evolution. At least their Roadrunner years, the impact that it had on me and then you know whoever else was getting into it at, in you know when it was coming out in 99 that is arguably a perfect intro album into the world of roadrunner records around that time uh, a lot of people got into it because of cars and you know who knew that that wouldn't be a perfect representation of that album as a whole <laughs> i love the song cars because i liked the original yeah and they had I gary bought newman a cars album yeah because i thought they did the song. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the first Cars album I bought, I bought it because I wanted the song Cars. Yeah, and it's only on the special edition. So I was like, well, fuck. Yeah. But I did like the Cars too, so it kind of worked out. So when they covered Cars, this was at a time when covers were huge, particularly 80s covers. Mm -hmm. And without getting too much into it, because I want to have an episode on cover songs, I was fucking so stoked... To hear them covering this song. Yeah. Because it was kind of like, oh my God, I'm not the only person who likes this song, mm -hmm. you know? But, I mean, obviously I'd heard Fear Factory long before this. I've talked to a lot of people your age that this was their first and this their favorite. Yeah. It's actually one of my, I wouldn't say one of my least favorites, but I don't. It's not um, a go-to the same way? No, I mean, I'd still say Digimortal's probably my least favorite, but this is close. Mm -hmm. It's close. There's just a lot of like riffs on there I'm not particularly fond of. But I will say this. There's a strange thing with Fear Factory that I, I don't need to say for a Fear Factory episode. When they have an album like this, it's really feast or famine. Mm -hmm. The songs that I fucking like on the album, I fucking love. Right. And then the songs that I don't, it's not even like I hate them. It's just like they don't exist. Right. A lot of times because I like I'll, you know, I'll put them in a playlist or I used to burn them and it was like, okay, I just don't even burn that song. So like I literally never listened to it. Right. It was like the Securitron 3000 or whatever. Oh, I love that song. It's just I don't ever even listen to it. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Enough, yeah. But Edge Crusher, Descent, mm -hmm. Shock, fuck, dude, forget about it. I'll listen to those all day. And was it Resurrection? Mm-hmm. And then there's one after that, right? Timelessness. Timelessness. Yeah. The... the cinematic thing at the end where they yeah. have the weird fucking keyboard shit. Yeah. I love those. Oh, yeah. I fucking love those. It's got a flow. It's got, I mean, Demanufacturer's Well, it's a concept well. album, too. Yeah. So that has a lot to do with it. Oh, yeah. Which, again, coming down to, like, full albums kind of can't beat a concept album, oh, right? Yeah. I mean. Go listen to it. Go listen to all of them. Go listen to all of them. Well, go listen to all of the Roadrunner ones. There's a couple questions. Well, that's the Roadrunner stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's another day. Go listen to this whole list and uh, give us your Roadrunner favorites. Yeah, these are yeah these are our favorites. Let us know what, what your favorites are. Um, there's got to be plenty of them, right? Oh, shout out the special bonus edition tracks on Obsolete, by the way, dude. Obviously, cars, but like where evil dwells by Wise Blood. That was such a good one. Soul wound is awesome. Soul wound's getting is it double zero? 
that's the one before. That's that's oh, okay. that's where evil dwells. Soul wound is. I guess oh, that yeah, was. Yeah. It's like all these are just ones that didn't make it. Um, Messiah is. Uh, oh, Messiah is so good. Yeah, too. and that was that was made for a video game. And then one yes. that was from the uh, the D manufacturer section or sessions. It's actually on both, uh, but like didn't make the album. Fucking Concreto. Oh yeah, Concreto. Fucking, fucking double bass city, dude. Um, so yeah, thanks again for joining us. Let us know what your favorite Roadrunner releases are and your favorite bands, or if you have any particularly favorite moments from their catalog. Hell yeah, yeah. Roadrunner Records. Yep. Say hi to us. Twitter, Metalist Pod, Instagram, Metalist Podcast. Uh, hit us up on our individual pages. I'm let's at, see. Yeah, David. Yes, it is I, David. They're on the page, right? Yeah, yeah. And then let's see. We'll have our. Oh, well, we don't need to say that, but yeah. Like, follow us on all of the fucking socials. But remember, email metalistpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. All right, man. Thanks as always, folks. See you soon. Eat your fucking veggies and fuck your prayers. Later. Bye-bye.